Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are in our midst today. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen and encourage our hearts, that we would leave this place today, leave this message today, hearing from your spirit, being stirred, encouraged, and lifted up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about something that God spoke into my heart while I was on holiday. And uh, I was just sitting down reading my Bible, and the Lord started to speak to me from this verse in Scripture. And so I wrote a whole message that I actually wrote to share with a very small group of our leaders, um, with our campus pastors. And when John heard this message, he said to me, Jillian, this is a message for every believer. This is a message for the church in the age that we face right now. I'm sure we're all aware of the weight of judgment and of criticism that is being leveled in the world, not only to churches, but to people, to individuals, to politicians, to civil servants, to people in every field, in every endeavor. The spirit of judgment, the weight of criticism, what we see in friendships, in relationships, in marriages, that's tearing them apart, is the spirit that is so counterculture to the spirit of God. You know, I believe that I'm gonna to talk to you today about something that is crucial to our faith prevailing. It's crucial to our marriages prevailing. It's crucial to our friendships being godly. And it's crucial for our children to break through the cynical spirit of this age. I wanna to talk to you today about the need for a spirit of encouragement. The need for a spirit of encouragement. Acts chapter nine verse 31 says this, the church had peace and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. With the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. You see, the church grew because there was a spirit of encouragement. But I wanna tell us today that our world grows our world grows because of a spirit of encouragement. Our marriage grows, our kids grow, our friendships grow because of a spirit of encouragement. You know, the truth is we don't just want encouragement. We don't just want people to say nice things to us. We actually need it. We actually need it. As people, this is something that's a need and not a want. And sometimes we're not lavish with it because we think people don't really need to hear it or don't have any, there's no purpose in it. It's quite the opposite. We actually desperately need it. So I wanna talk about what the spirit of encouragement looks like, how we can have it in our hearts and in our lives, how we can become a person who is encouraging to everybody. And I'm telling us today that this small thing will deepen and change and impact our lives, our world, our relationships, the way we interact with our children and the way we interact with our marriage. I wanna say that anything that has of success in mine and John's marriage, I would put down to this spirit, a spirit of encouragement. Because truly when you walk through the tough seasons, it's that spirit that keeps you afloat. Now, I wanna talk about Paul for a moment. Paul in the Bible talked a lot in his letters about encouragement being the goal of his visits. He talks about the fact that when I come to you, I'm gonna encourage you. He says, that's my goal when I meet people is that I wanna encourage them. Romans 15, 32 says, by the will of God, I will come to you with a joyful heart and we will be an encouragement to each other. 
I want to ask you, what are you coming to the people in your world with? What, what are you coming to them with? Because Paul says, when I come to you, I'm going to come with a spirit of encouragement. Romans 1.12, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. See, Paul is like, I'm going to be deliberate about this. I'm not going to be haphazard. I'm not, I'm not going to just you know, say nice things. I'm coming in a spirit of encouragement because I know it's going to make all the difference in your life. I'm going to be able to strengthen believers. I'm going to be able to inspire people. I'm going to be able to build people up. And I want to tell us today, the goal of our lives must be the same. That when we meet with people, we encourage them, that we build them up, that they are better because they were spending time with us, because they heard the words that we said to them. You know, encouragement was highly valued by Paul, and he talks about it so many times. In 1 Corinthians 16, 18, he talks about people, and he says, they have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. You must show your appreciation for all who serve so well. Then he says, 2 Corinthians 7, his presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. See, Paul is super glad that there are encouragers in the world. And he displays the fact that the encouragement that they gave was an encouragement to me. You see, what he shows is that encouragement has this full circle ability. That as we sow encouragement, encouragement comes back. That encouragement has a full circle impact that the more encouraging we are, the more encouraged we become. And he wants the church to know this and we need to know this in our lives that the more encouraging we are, the more we sow encouragement, the more we will actually truly reap encouragement. It's a life-giving full circle. You know, God says you're intended to be an encourager in your relationships, in the way that you interact with people in your life. He's actually got the intention that this is who we would be. It says this, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage each other, build each other up. Ephesians 4, 29, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to many who hear them. Proverbs 10, 21, the words of the godly encourage many. See, encouragement is primarily about the words that we speak. Let the words of the godly, you know, we've got to understand, and boy, I live by this scripture, the thought that when we die, it's a little bit morbid, but when we die, we're going to give an account for every word we say. The Bible doesn't just say every action, but every single word. And why is that? Because our words have great significance. And Paul here is trying to show us as believers, as Christians, that the source of our words, the goal of our words, the intent of our words is to be an encouragement. You know, I, I love John Maxwell. He's an amazing uh, leadership person and written many books. I'm sure you're aware of him. But I want to read out to you an excerpt from one of the things that he wrote because I think this is an incredibly powerful thing that if we take hold of this, it will revolutionize the way we interact with people. John Maxwell says this, when I speak to people, whether in a crowd or one-on-one, -on -one, I make it my goal to increase their belief in themselves. I want to share my belief and do things with them until one day it's not my belief in them, it's their belief in themselves. And that's what I call the ultimate transfer of a leader. It's when leaders take the belief that they have for their people 
and pass it on until the people own it. It's not borrowed. And that's my goal, always my goal, to help people get to that belief level. He says this, the first way to help other people believe in themselves is to actually believe in them. When people sense that we believe in their potential and their desire to be successful, it literally draws them in. And then we can share that belief with them. One way I do that is to put a 10 on their heads. What I mean by that is I give each person a score of 10 on a scale of one to 10. And when I meet them from the very beginning, I assume the best about them. And that's what I choose to believe about them. That's what I communicate to them. And this sets them up to find that belief in themselves. You know, John Maxwell shared that story at a, a session and uh, one guy and his wife went around and we're like, we're gonna see everybody as a 10. And he came home from being out one day and he said to his wife, wow, I, I have to tell you something. Today, I had to put a 20 on someone's head, on a woman's head. She's getting like a little bit jealous. Why did you put a 20 on her head? And he said, well, she was pregnant. Oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, you know, um, Laura Toggs, who runs the Hillsong Youth Ministry um, over in Australia, she was talking about how when she was running the youth ministry, there was this kid, and he, let's be honest, he wasn't the most productive kid. He was, in fact, quite annoying because he was just socially reclusive, and he was a bit of a problem at youth because he would come and he would just sit with his computer, and he wouldn't interact with anyone. The mum would ring them and say, hey, is there any way you know, that you can involve my son? And they, they sort of tried a little bit, but they didn't really see him for who he was. And the story that she says is that, you know, there he was sitting in our youth, and about five years later, he got headhunted by Google, flown to wherever it was, Silicon Valley, and he started to work for this company super high up, doing this incredible stuff for the company, high-powered, huge salary, you know, a genius, a literal genius. And Laura says, we had him sitting right there, and we never saw him. I mean, at least the IT and the media and our church could have gone to another level. <laughs> like, we could have had our apps that were amazing, but we never saw him. And I think sometimes that that's like us. There are people in our lives, and God wants us to look at every person like they're a 10. Because you know what? They are. Because if they've been made in the image of God, they are fearfully and wonderfully made, and they are His design, they are His workmanship. And He wants us to look at everybody and say, you're a 10. And when we look at them like that, then their skills and their talents and everything about their lives is elevated to another level because they do what they think they couldn't do. You know, we need to be careful that we're not missing who's right in front of us. You know, with our children, they might have a personality and giftings that it's completely different to us. And sometimes when someone's different, it's hard to see what's so great about them. But I wanna encourage us today that we need to see the beauty of what God has. We need to see the wonder, see the wonder that God has placed inside every person. You know, the truth is that everybody needs encouragement. You can't tell me you don't need it. I mean, if someone says something nice to you, you're gonna feel good all day. In fact, I know because people repeat what people say, right? Oh, they told me this. You go home and you tell your spouse or you tell uh, your mom, you ring your mom, this person said I was so good at this. I know, you do, right? I do it. We all love encouragement, but what does encouragement do? It forms resolve on the inside of us. It sets direction. We are encouraged towards things that we're good at. 
It builds a confidence internally and externally. You know, encouragement is a sign of love, and we feel loved when we're encouraged. You know, love that believes the best and hopes the best. Encouragement, of course, puts courage in, as it says in its very title. And it enables people to do so much more than they thought they could do. And encouragement loans people our confidence. You know, sometimes people aren't confident enough on their own to do something, but when we encourage them, they step out and do it. Have you ever had a friend who encouraged you to bungee jump? Maybe not the right kind of encouragement. I'm telling you now, no amount of encouragement will ever coerce me to jump off a bridge with a piece of elastic around my ankles. I mean, who came up with that anyway? But there are people who wouldn't do it that get encouraged to jump off that narrow bridge with a piece of elastic around their ankles. Encouragement puts confidence in, even when it shouldn't be there, perhaps. You know, encouragers are consummate believers in people. They just believe in people. They just see what that person can do, so it makes them scale new heights. You know, encouragement, truthfully, is why I decide to pay a personal trainer. It's true. I'm sure you've all been there. I would never... I would never even hardly go to the gym. I would never work hard. I would never push myself to feel like I'm gonna vomit. I would never, I would never dig as deep without him going, come on, come on. And I'm like, <laughs> And I'm trying to keep going, so one more set. I'm like, oh dear God, dear God. Like literally, <laughs> I'm like, please no. And I want to just curl over. Sometimes he has mercy, but most often not. But you know, when, when I'm working out at the gym, I'm full of doubts. I doubt what to do, I doubt that I can do it, and I certainly doubt how, how much I can push my body. But when I have his encouragement, I'm forced to dig deeper. That's what encouragement does, it causes us just to dig a little deeper. Imagine with our kids, with our children, what they could do with the power of our encouragement, with that spirit of encouragement in our homes. Our kids could dig a little deeper, letting go of their fears, not worrying about what other people think of them, they could put themselves out there with a little more confidence because they've got that encouragement that's strengthening their resolve. You know, encouragement will always bring out the best in people and build determination. You know, uh, I wanna say this, being encouraging is the opposite of being critical. And, and one of the mistakes that we make in our relationships that causes offense often, but one of the mistakes that we make in our relationships is that we actually think criticism will change a person. We think criticism will make our spouse improve. We think criticism will make our children pull up their socks and tidy their bedroom. Well, they might need criticism for that, but I won't mention my children's bedrooms. You do not want to visit them. In fact, I won't be saying this in the next service because they will hear me, but I'm just saying right now, do not visit my children's bedrooms. But the truth is that criticism, it criticism will not produce the life-giving change that we perhaps even want in our marriage, in our spouse, and in our children. Like, let's be honest, sometimes change is needed. Like, sometimes we do need people to change, but criticism will not achieve that result. Criticism does not make a relationship better, it makes it bitter. No, we need to avoid what's happening in our society, which is almost a half-hearted version of encouragement. It's kind of a mockery. It's like a mocking version where we laugh at people, where we, we talk to people with sarcasm, and we choose to be funny over praising people. We, we need to avoid that kind of spirit because it's the spirit of the age. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, whatever you do, do not sit in the seat of the mocker. Do not sit in the seat 
of the mocker. Mockery is opposite to encouragement. We can't mock our spouse, mock our children, mock our friends. We think it's a good thing. Like, hey, we just want to pull people down, have a little joke, laugh. They laugh. So we think, oh, it's all good. Everybody's laughing. But are they really laughing on the inside? Or have we actually just pulled them down a little bit? We need to understand the spirit of mockery is not what we need. You know, your words have a weight, and people will take what you say to heart. You know, sticks and stones, but it's true. Words, words will break you. Words will sh shape and break. You know, John tells a story of when he went to um, C3 Oxford Falls in Sydney. And he was ministering and preaching over there. Well, this is before we started a rice church. And he, he went over there to speak, and he's like, looking at everybody, and there's every person on the stage is incredible. The, the, the worship team, the band, the dance team. It's like everywhere he looks, there's creativity and so much talent. And he's looking around, he's going, man, there's just so much talent here. And he's trying to understand how does one church in the, you know, beaches of Sydney, the northern beaches, how does one church have so much talent? And he was puzzled by it. Then he got up and he preached his message. And, you know, preachers are always very critical of themselves. And he thought, oh, man, I really stuffed up. He may have. I wasn't there, so I can't comment. I, I won't either criticize or encourage. But he, he got off and he felt deflated. You know, when you've had that really bad moment. I'm sure you've had a public speaking thing where you were like, you wish the ground would swallow you up. You said everything the wrong way around. And, and he was like, man, I really didn't. That, that wasn't the right message. I didn't deliver it well. Uh, it, that was just a fail. That was a fail. And he got off the stage feeling deflated. And he said, literally, person after person after person, each came up to him and said, I needed to hear that message. That message was for me. I was going through a tough season. And when you said this, I just knew that that was God speaking to me. He had like 15 different people come to him and encourage him. Then he saw people do exactly the same to every worship leader that had been on the stage. He saw people telling them how incredibly they'd sung, how much they'd been pulled into the presence of God as they worshiped. He saw them do it to the band. He saw them praise the dance team, that they ushered in the spirit of God as they danced and that that dance just opened hearts. He saw them encourage person after person. And John realized it's not that this church is more talented or that there are more talented people. It's that the spirit of encouragement puts the talent on full display. It brings out the best. It causes people to rise with confidence and be the best person they can be. It calls them out of themselves, pulling out the gift of God, pulling out the call of God. And that's what we're here to do, right? Fan into flame the gift of God. And we can do that through the encouragement that we bring. You know, when John saw that and he told me about it, we decided that's what we want for Arise. We want to be the most encouraging church. That's what we want in our marriage. We want to have an encouraging marriage. And that's what we want in our parenting. We want to be encouraging parents to see the best and pull the best out of our children. That's how we want to be. You know, if we have a lack of encouragement, I want to talk about that for a moment. We could talk about being encouraging, but if we have a lack of encouragement, it creates coldness in our relationships. And actually, people become more competitive as they vie for the crumbs of encouragement. You might have seen it in your workplace, perhaps. An exacting boss, a perfectionist boss, and 
They're not, not very lavish with their praise, very lavish with their criticism, but then the team becomes competitive because they're trying to get that one crumb of encouragement. You know, this can be a reason sometimes in families why siblings just squabble and fight because they're also competing to get the parents' attention and encouragement. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes if we've got limited affection up for grabs, there'll be a fight to get it. You know, sometimes we struggle to be an encourager. It doesn't come naturally. Maybe it's not second nature. It's like we didn't grow up with that. We didn't have people tell us how amazing we were. That wasn't the default. They told us everything we needed to improve. They told us what we were doing wrong. They were able to list our faults. They were able to tell us when we'd made mistakes. It might be that we didn't grow up with that spirit of encouragement. So how do we get it? How, how do we get a spirit of encouragement? We only get it by going to Jesus himself. We only get it by getting on our knees. We only get it in prayer. We only get it when we hear him speak to us. See, the truth is that he will speak to us from his word and he will speak to us in a still, small voice. But the words that he speaks over us, what kind of words do you think God speaks over your life each and every day? What kind of words do you think he's speaking over you right now? He's not saying you're not gonna make it. He's not saying you're a failure. He's not saying, I don't, I don't really care what you decide to do today. He is saying, I'm rejoicing over you with singing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are adopted in the beloved. You have an inheritance. You have a high calling in Christ. You are a priest and you are a king. You are a, someone who has a fully formed identity in me that you're waiting to discover. He is speaking. You can do it. You can do more than you think because the Spirit of God in you is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. There is nothing that is impossible for him who believes. You know, when we begin to open our heart to hear Christ, what do we hear? We only hear the words of encouragement because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of encouragement. And we get lifted up on wings like eagles. We can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not grow faint because when the Spirit of God lifts us up, I, I wanna encourage you that maybe you haven't heard God speak those words, then take some time to get alone and let him speak to you. Because when you hear him encourage you, you can become the most encouraging person on earth. I want you to ask, have you seen the Father look at you? Have you seen the Father love you? You know, I've got a friend. I've got a friend who grew up with a father who was pretty cold. He, he only looked at the son to critique him. He only looked at his life to improve him. And as parents, we all do that, right? We, we can definitely see where our kids could improve. We can definitely see how they could lift their game, how they could step it up. It's not easy to see those things. But his, his dad, he never encouraged him. He never said you've done something well, even when he had done things well. He never lavished any praise on him. In fact, my friend grew up pretty much in a household devoid of encouragement. You know what's phenomenal about this man is he's the only person to become a Christian in his family. And he gave his heart to Jesus and he found the encouragement that he'd never had. And as he read the word of God, something grew on the inside of him and he realized the power of the spirit of encouragement. And so he actually became a pastor and he, he um, has built an amazing church but you know what the hallmark of his life is and of his ministry and what everybody says about him? They all say he has the most incredible spirit 
of encouragement. He is the most encouraging person you will ever meet. He can make you feel like a million dollars. And the truth is that when we don't have it, we can get it. We can receive it from our heavenly father, even if we never received it from a natural father. And then we have the ability to choose to come in an opposite spirit and give encouragement lavishly away. You know, I wanna talk about effective encouragement. To be effective, encouragement needs to be these three things. Specific, deliberate, and repetitive. It needs to be very specific, deliberate, and repetitive. Should I repeat that again? <laughs> specific, deliberate, repetitive, specific. The more general or the more vague the encouragement that we give us, the less impact it will have, the less meaning it has. You know, we need to talk to people with encouragement, tell them exactly what they did well. What was it that they did that really made the difference? Encouragement to be true, uplifting encouragement needs to be very specific. When you encourage someone, give details. Mention examples, point out exactly what it was that you thought they did well. You know, if people uh, are talking to you, like which, which actual part was what made the difference? Because if you just say, hey, that was, you're just amazing. Well, we, we say that a lot, you're just amazing. Well, that's very nice. But what about me is amazing? What about me? What did you notice specifically about me? Be deliberate. You know, be intentional, be intentional in giving encouragement. You actually have to be deliberate about it. You see, Paul is writing deliberately to encourage. My goal, my aim, my desire is to encourage. And so he writes letters. He's writing letter after letter. And what was the goal and the purpose? To encourage the believers. But he was deliberate. You know, we can write emails, we can send texts, we can ring and talk on the phone for everyone who's older than 20. This is what we do, we talk on the phone. We, we can actually tell people, we, but we need to be deliberate because we can notice things and then we can just not say anything. Like you might see something, but it's like, oh, that's so great. And then you just keep it to yourself. No, be deliberate. And lastly, be repetitive. Be repetitive. You know, sometimes we think I've already told them that. Oh, you know, Asateria who's up here singing, she knows that I think she's an amazing worship leader. I told her six months ago how great she did. Well. That was six months ago, and she might not be feeling like it was great today. You know, I've told John every time he gets off the, off the platform, wow, that was a great message, honey. And you know, to be fair, most of the time it is, right? I think we could all agree, he's a pretty good preacher. But I don't just think I've told him once and he knows that I think he's a good preacher. He, he just knows that he can preach. Like, he just thinks he's all that in the biscuit. Like, he's got it. No, he doesn't know that today was good. You see, encouragement must be repetitive. You know, people don't have a self-esteem that's so incredible that they just think they're amazing every day. Unfortunately, we don't wake up thinking that we're awesome. People, t people will never tire of being told how good they are at something. You'll never get tired of being encouraged. Rep repetition does not diminish your encouragement. It doesn't diminish it, even if you're saying exactly the same thing again. It's so important. People need to hear it more than once to believe it. Remember, we wanna believe in people. We wanna put our belief in them. We wanna give them that belief transfer that John Maxwell talked about, that we believe in them so much that they then believe in themselves. 
You know, I, I also want to say that we need to make it our goal to have a very big encouragement paradigm. A big encouragement paradigm. Paradigm is the way we think our mindset. So what do I mean by that? Okay, if you take a look at families, and we've had baby dedications, and we've got parents and children here, and it's amazing, and we have these big dreams for our kids, but you know, why is it that so often doctors have children that become doctors, and teachers have children that become teachers? And accountants have children that become accountants, and pastors have children that become pastors. Well, the truth is that things do run in families. Of course, that is the case. However, is it also the case that because of what we know, we encourage towards what we know? That our paradigm and our mindset is perhaps not big enough? You know, I have a son who wants to be a chess champion. If I only encourage him to serve in the church, will I miss out on the big paradigm of what God has for his life. We have to go, okay, I've got to encourage you, but I've got to think beyond what I know. I've got to think beyond what I see, and I've got to hear what you're saying and encourage you according to a big paradigm. I don't want to write off your dreams before you start them. I don't want to limit your dreams. Like, I might think that won't happen, but it that's not what I need to come to this situation with, this relationship. I need to come with a big paradigm, a big mindset. My encouragement needs to be big. You know, I just think back sometimes and I laugh at perhaps prophecies that we were actually given as a church. And I look back and I laugh because I think they were a little bit small. Like I love that person, but they did not have a big enough paradigm for what God was going to do through this amazing company of people called Arise. I mean, people didn't say we we're going to have a storehouse. People didn't say we we're going to have a social arm. And people haven't said what's yet to come in the future. Nobody prophesied we were going to be reaching people in prisons, but praise God that we are. And we weren't limited by a mindset that was small. We're saying, God, what's your big paradigm? And we've got to bring that to our relationships. We've got to bring it to our marriage. We've got to bring it especially to our children. Make that our goal. You know, I just want to take a moment and pause and just say, I felt this quite strongly when I was preparing this to every teenager in the room, and to every young adult in the room, that some of you have got a dream that you're actually quitting on. You've had a goal, you've had a, you've had a dream that you wanted to achieve in your life, but you've actually begun to doubt that you can do that. And so you've downscaled your dream. You've taken a step back from the highest dream to a mid-level dream. And I wanna tell you today that if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to do what you can, then don't give up before you've started. Please, please, I feel this in the Holy Spirit. Do not settle for a lesser dream because you doubt that you can do it. I wanna tell you today that you can do it. Get that big dream and start moving towards it. Don't quit on what God told you to do because you can do it. You can do it. You've got what it takes. I know it, I just know it. You've got what it takes and God is on your side and you're gonna go for it and you're gonna go and be amazing. That's somebody I'm talking to today. Lastly, I wanna give us three things that we can do to leave today and just start. Let's be people who have the spirit of encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together post-COVID, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the day of the Lord Jesus. That's the day of his return. I think we're living in that day. We need to encourage each other all the more. Come on. And what does it say? Let us consider how. Let us consider how. So I'm going to take a moment and consider how we can do this. I've got three things because I want us to become the most encouraging people on the earth. I want to rise church to be the most encouraging church. I want you to be the most encouraging person. I want people to come to this church and go, man, they're the most encouraging people on earth. What is it about those people? And I'll be like, they've got a spirit of encouragement. So here are three things to consider. Three things to consider. What you can stop, what you can see, and what you can say. What you can stop what you can see and what you can say. What you can stop first. Stop mocking people. Stop it. Just stop it, okay? Don't sit in the seat of the mocker. You know, in our, in our marriages, we so often use vulnerability as a weapon. Once that person has opened their heart, then we later on take it and throw it back in their face. Don't use vulnerability as a weapon. Stop it. Stop it. Don't use criticism. Don't use unbridled speech. In fact, James instructs us, tame your tongue. Just tame your tongue because of fire. You can set the world on fire with the words of your mouth. Let's imagine what we can stop ourselves from saying. There are things that we need to stop. You know, what can you see? What can you see? Encouragement is bothering to see. Encouragement is taking the time and making the effort to see what makes that person unique and special. Everybody, remember, has self-doubt. Nobody wakes up and thinks, I'm amazing. Nobody has an ego that big. So let's see what's special about them. Everybody needs to be acknowledged for their success and their wins, and remember that their success and their wins might not look what ours looks like. So encourage them for their success, their wins. If someone's dismissive of themselves, show them that what they do really matters. Show them that the reason that they are successful is greater than they think. I had someone who said to me today, I don't do much for a job. All I do is count. And I said, no, 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 you don't see it. You do so much more than that. You actually have the most immense people skills. The reason that you're a success is not because you know how to do something. It's because of the way you relate to people. We need to stop and see what it really is about people that makes them special. You know, our kids need to know that we see their uniqueness. Encourage us to see the wonder in people. And lastly, what can you say? If the band could join me. What can you say? You know, Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. The words I speak are spirit and they are life. He is our pattern. He is the one we follow. Would our words that we speak be spirit and life? Life to those who hear them. In the book of James, it talks about, when it's taming the tongue, it talks about the fact that salty water and pure water can't come from the same flow. What it is saying is your words are like water. Remember, the heart is like soil. And when we speak words that are life-giving, that are a pure flow, we're watering people's hearts. We're putting courage in. But we do it with the words that we say. The words are the water. Don't stay silent. Don't just see what's good, say what's good. 
come on. Don't just see what's good, say what's good. Tell your kids every day how much you believe in them. Tell your spouse every day what they are doing well, what you respect and love about them, what you've seen in them, what you admire about them. Be specific, be deliberate, be liberal, and repeat it again and again. Let your words have an eternal impact. I wanna finish by saying this, what might you say to someone this week, today, tomorrow, that would cause them to not give up? Many of you know the journey I went on in 2016 when I got diagnosed with a, a pain condition that was supposedly permanent. And I was in immense pain, so much pain that I could collapse on the floor, pain that meant it was in my jaw and I couldn't actually smile, I couldn't talk, can you believe it? That was a cross I had to bear. <laughs> I couldn't speak and I was in such a lot of pain and when you're in that moment, it's very hard to see out, like it's very hard to lift yourself up. And I, I remember the, the heaviness and the weight and the struggle and, and a sense of struggling in this alone. And a friend sent me a text. They sent me a text because they knew I couldn't talk. <laughs> they sent me a text and they said, Jillian, this is the scripture that I have for you. Just as God said to Moses in Exodus that He will give you the words to speak, He will be with your mouth. That's what the Bible says, He will be with your mouth. I feel the Holy Spirit saying, God will be with your mouth. That verse became my strength. That encouragement that my friend gave me became such a support that I was like, God will be with my mouth. God will be with my mouth. God will be with my mouth. Not the devil, not the devil's plan. What God, God is gonna turn this into good. God will be with my mouth. For two years, I declared God will be with my mouth. Even after I experienced a great measure of healing, that was on my phone for over two years. See, I'd go to places and speak and I had to have faith that that thing would not reoccur. That it wouldn't just happen again. And I would, before I spoke, I'd be like, God will be with my mouth. God will be with my mouth. God will be with my mouth. But that word of encouragement, man, it strengthened me. That word of encouragement, man, I, I clung onto it like a lifeboat. And there are people in our lives right now and they are struggling and they're going through tough seasons, but we could bring that spirit of encouragement. We could be the person that speaks and says the words that will lift them from the depths of what they're going through. I've experienced it and I know that many of us have. Let's not just hold those words in, let's speak them out and let's bring that spirit to the people in our worlds.